0: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
1: Hello Texas, jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Topping the news today, we've had fairly good weather here in Texas, especially compared to last year's drought. But if you look at much of the western U.S., they're still fighting drought, and that's causing herd liquidation for the cattle herd. We've seen that reflected in the past couple of cattle inventory reports, and analysts say it should continue into the future. We'll take a look at that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: The soaring cost of inputs is threatening our farmers' ability to make a profit from their crops. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll get some perspective from one Texas ag organization that is looking for solutions.
3: We'll take a look at how the Texas corn crop has fared in the northern part of the state. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: There's an increase in home vegetable gardening in Texas, especially fall gardens and preparing for spring gardens. Please join me, John begnos we talk about home gardening in Texas.
1: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The U.S. beef cow herd has been shrinking, according to the last few U.S. cattle inventory reports. That trend could continue thanks to the drought in the western half of the U.S., Cattle market analyst Kevin Good with Cattle Facts. The dryness in the West could very well persist on it through the winter, and that's an unfortunate call,
3: but it is what it is. Uh, Right now you've got about a third of the U.S. beef cow herd that is being stressed in drought conditions. And so even though we're suggesting sharply higher calf values moving forward, the folks that are dry, unfortunately, they probably have to liquidate a few more as you go through 2022.
1: Cattle Facts is calling for decreased calf numbers as a result of herd liquidation, and that should bring higher prices for calves, yearlings, and fed cattle in 2022. And speaking of drought, we're seeing it expand here in Texas.
5: Despite recent rains across parts of Texas, there has been a rapid expansion of drought over the past week. According to the Texas Water Development Board, rainfall was excessive in some areas, but well below average for most of the state. Parts of Gonzales County in South Texas received eight inches or more of rain this month. That's more than twice their average for this time of year. Nearly six inches of rain has fallen near Houston, but across the state, El Paso has only seen six-tenths of an inch of rain this month. Fifteen percent of the state is now under moderate or worse drought. That's up six percentage points from last week's report. It's still 21 percentage points lower than last October. The Water Development Board notes this is the largest area of Texas in impacted by drought since early June. Severe drought is now impacting parts of Carson, Collingsworth, Childress, Hardiman, and Ford counties. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal
1: Corn and sorghum harvest are wrapping up here in Texas, according to the latest crop progress and condition report. This week's report shows that 90 percent of the Texas corn crop is now harvested, of the sorghum crop is out of the field. Now, cotton harvest still has quite a ways to go. We show 35% of the cotton now harvested with 83% of the crop with bowls open. Winter wheat planting is moving forward. 64% of the wheat crop now in the ground. That's right on schedule with the five-year average pace. The report also contains the latest pasture and range condition ratings here in Texas. They're rating 7% of the pasture's excellent 27 percent good, 34 percent fair, and 31 percent of the pastures here in Texas rated in a poor to very poor category. The soaring cost of inputs is threatening the ability of many Texas farmers to make a profit. James Hunt takes a closer look from Amarillo.
2: It's become maybe the most talked-about topic among farmers, the dramatic escalation in prices for fertilizer, chemicals, seed, and other things producers have to buy in order to grow crops. Input cost inflation is certainly cutting into the profits farmers had expected this season, but there's real worry about how difficult it could be to make a profit at all next season. David Gibson of Texas Corn Producers says his organization is working with Texas A&M System economist, to try to gauge how much higher break-evens will be in 2022.
6: Last year, we were talking around $4, dollars four twenty, something like that, to grow a bushel of corn. Well, this increase in fertilizer costs is pushing that about $0.50 cents a bushel, just one input. And that's not taking into account the seed and all of the other factors. So we're really trying to get a handle on that.
2: And beyond higher cost, tight supplies of certain inputs are also a source of anxiety.
6: We're all hearing the supply chain issues and, you know, when you're out there getting ready to put a crop in and your uh, dealer says, we may have to ration you on how much we can sell you of a certain crop. Well, you need to know what you're going to get in order to know how much you can plant so you can take care of it properly.
2: And as the organization gathers information about the input dilemma to share with members of Congress, Gibson says Texas corn producers would appreciate hearing from farmers themselves.
6: We're real interested to hear from growers with real life experiences if they're having issues.
2: You can find contact information for Texas corn producers at texascorn.org. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: The corn harvest is wrapping up here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti goes to the Southern Plains for an update.
3: For today's program, we go up to the Plainview area on the South Plains and we uh, visit with Jacob Richberg. He is a uh, field agronomist with Pioneer. And uh, Jacob, when we talk about the, the remaining uh, corn that needs to be harvested, uh, that's uh, pretty much uh, the crop in your region of the state on the Texas South Plains and uh, maybe into far west Texas. Tell us about the crop in your region and how it's fared this year.
7: So our early stuff has done exceptionally well. What seemed going into the year was going to be a a very dry, drought-stricken year, similar to last year, turned around there in late May, and June and July offered some much-needed rain. Some of this later stuff that was planted more into the June time frame Struggled a little bit more. Seems like we got hot and dry in the late part of July, August, September. But overall, still a crop that has been very good in comparison to recent years.
3: All of the pioneer crops uh, that you're talking about are irrigated. Uh, what type of yields are farmers reporting to you?
7: So that varies. As you get in our good water areas, Castro County, in those areas, we're looking at 260 to 300 bushel per acre farm averages you move to some of the more limited irrigation spots where we don't have quite as much irrigation water. We're still above average in that 220, 250 range. Very good yields compared to some recent years.
3: The harvest will continue for uh, a number of weeks before it's uh, completed in in your region?
7: We're going to have a few more weeks, some of this later planted corn, waiting on it to dry down, uh, as well as got some late planted silage corn that's still coming out. But I would expect the next week to two weeks for corn harvest to wrap up.
3: That is pioneer field agronomist Jacob Richberg. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's
1: an increase in home gardening in Texas and San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno tells us it's happening right now with fall gardens and preparation for the spring.
4: Well we're seeing an increase in interest in home vegetable gardening partly driven by COVID, which was a big increase last year in gardening, but also because of increasing commodity prices. Some people refer to it as inflation. And so there's an interest in some of the highest interest in growing your own vegetables since the victory garden days of World War II. And that's quite interesting. So if you're a first-time gardener and you're going to be breaking out ground for spring gardens, you need to start right now. And one of the biggest complaints about home gardening is weed control. Nobody likes to chop weeds in a garden. So if you'll get out there right now, pick your area, hopefully an area that's got bright sunlight and access to water, and you can solarize that ground by laying a dark sheet of plastic, like black plastic, or carpet or something over that soil, and the heat and the energy generated by the sunlight can kill a lot of weed seeds, and that goes a long way. You can also, if you have current grass growing, spray glyphosate, Roundup-type products, which will not harm your ground, and that will also kill these existing grasses like Bermuda grass and so forth, which are a nightmare in gardens. Now, if you've already got ground ready to plant, we know that this is a great time of year for cool season vegetables. We know that lettuce and broccoli and some of those products are sometimes high in price and we can kind of augment our our income by growing our own vegetables, if you want to do that, or or just cut down on your budget expenses, onions, radishes, carrots, things like that are easily grown in Texas gardens in the wintertime, but they're also some of the cheapest vegetables that you can purchase. So just think about that when you're going to be using your energy and water and time gardening. But now is a great time to plant not only transplants, but seeds. And for next spring, go ahead and get that soil plowed up. After you solarize it or get the weeds taken care of, go ahead and plow it up mix in some manure or organic matter let it sit all winter and it'll be ready to plant in march or april in texas this is john Begno reporting from san angelo
5: we are inching closer to the start of duck hunting season here in texas i'm jessica domel and i'll have this season's forecast on texas ag today
1: and seizures are not uncommon in dogs Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
3: In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house?
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Seizures are not uncommon in dogs. Dr. Bob Judd says most
8: are related to a form of epilepsy. The first time you witness your dog's seizuring can be pretty scary. The dogs usually fall over and become stiff, salivate excessively, and may have fluid loss from the gastrointestinal tract. Fortunately, if the cause of the seizure is epilepsy, the seizures are rarely fatal and and are not as upsetting to owners once you are familiar with the signs. If the seizure is due to a toxin, then there is more concern, not only because of the seizure, but of the underlying organ damage that can occur. Also, seizures due to epilepsy rarely last very long, whereas seizures due to poisoning can last a long time and can cause brain damage. We get many after-hours calls with owners panicking because their pet is seizuring, and many times the seizures, if related to epilepsy, have stopped by the time we are able to return the call. However, a seizure lasting over five minutes is likely an emergency and is usually caused by something other than epilepsy. A veterinarian can give your pet anti-seizure medication intravenously in an emergency situation to stop the seizures and continue with injectable medication until the seizures no longer occur. If the diagnosis is epilepsy, the dog can be transitioned from injectable medications to oral medications, and there are multiple options for oral medications to control seizures. If a toxin is the cause of the seizures, then no more seizures may occur after hospitalization and the toxin has been cleared from the system. The question of when to start seizure medication with epilepsy is a common one and complicated. Long-term seizure medication can potentially affect the liver, so blood work should be performed routinely to make sure no liver damage is occurring and the dosage of the drug is correct. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
9: Next season.
2: Duck season,
9: rabbit fever. Duck season, rabbit fever. Rabbit season, duck fever. Rabbit season. I say it's duck season, and I say fire.
1: Well, Daffy is correct. Duck season is just around the corner here in Texas. Jessica Domo has a duck season outlook in today's wildlife report.
5: There is good news for Texas duck hunters. Kevin Cry, waterfowl program leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says they are expecting a good season.
10: There's lots and lots and lots of ducks out there, despite having a pretty significant drought in the breeding grounds this past summer, which ultimately results in low productivity, which manifests itself into less young birds in a flock. Ideally, everything's always a little bit better for hunters if there's a bunch of young and uneducated ducks in the flock, especially things like dabbling ducks. So... You know, our very traditional green wings, blue wings, gadwall, wigeon, mallards, pintails. We're going to expect less birds in the total, but less young of the year. With that said, we are on the heels of multiple years of good production. And so the flock is still very, very healthy. If things line up like we hope, where we have good fall and winter cold fronts, Ice makes its way, you know, hard frozen water all the way down to the Red River. We could be looking at a very, very good duck season.
5: A cooler and wetter than normal summer has led to better than average habitat across much of the state for waterfowl.
10: The one thing that is starting to kind of play out, long-term forecasts for the winter look to be warmer and drier than normal. You know, as long as it's cold north of us, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Obviously, there's always exceptions and storms can pop up and likely will. But typically, when you're looking at hunting success on a large scale, besides the state of Texas, being a little bit dry is typically better because it concentrates birds and a smaller amount of surface water.
5: The regular duck season for the High Plains Mallard Management Unit runs October 30th and 31st, then reopens on November 5th. The regular duck season in the South Zone opens up November 6th. Duck hunting in the North Zone starts November 13th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Duhlmull.
1: We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex on Tuesday, but the bottom dropped out of the cotton market as the volatility continues. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
3: Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck, and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info.
0: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
1: Thursday brought a mostly lower trade in the cattle complex, both live and feeder cattle, finishing mostly lower with October live cattle down 97 cents, 124.97, the December down 97, 129.55, February live cattle down 82 cents at 134.77. The feeder market was lower on all except the nearby October. It's the very lightly traded contract that's just about to expire. It was up 32 cents, 156.25. November feeders down 27, 159.07. The January down 47 cents at 160 even. Cash fed cattle trade mostly steady this week. Most of our cash trade we've seen at 124 on a live basis, 196 dressed. The cattle that remain on the show list are priced at one twenty six and higher on live basis, one ninety eight and higher dressed. Boxed beef was higher on Thursday: choice up forty four cents at two eighty forty seven, select up a dollar one at two sixty three eighty one. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
9: Let's head to San Angelo, talk to Benny Cox from Producers and Cargyle. The auctioneer sold sheep and goats on Tuesday, sells cattle on Thursday. Benny, how did the sheep and goats sale go? Oh, we got along real good. We had fifty-seven, sixty-two. We had some more of those New Mexico, wool lambs, and goodness, they got along real good yesterday. 15 to $30 higher. The slaughter lambs, these are sheep type. Oh, you know, they've been real strong. They were still 10 to $15 higher yesterday. Slaughter ewes, they kind of perked up, 10 to 15 higher. Kid goats sold from firm to as much as 10 higher. You know, they got a big raise last week. Uh, these slaughter nannies, they sell from 170 to 210 but mostly 185 to $2. Mature billies, 180 all the way up to 260 And I can tell you, that 260 was an odd deal. And I think they, they did go to slaughter, but, you know, appear a little group of them. But a realistic figure on those is kind of 220 to 240 on those things. Uh, the wool feeder lambs sold in range from 222 all the way up to 336 on some little things. Uh, the slaughter lambs, the air sheet type, uh, lightweights, uh, 280 all the way up to 362. Uh, the heavyweights, you know, and I'll break that at eighty two twenty all the way up to 298. With some of these little feeder uh, things, you know, they had to go to the pen because they were real light, bring it up to a high, as high as 405. Uh, the slaughter use, 90 to 146, but mostly 107 to 122. The kid goat sold in range from 3 to 375, but mostly 329 to 350 with some of the feeders and the show prospects up to as high as 420 a pound. All right. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Then call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Uh, the office say Mary Kognick five three 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 seven one or they can always look at the web, which is producers and com. Benny, thank you so much. We appreciate you being on Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble Good Day.
1: Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Where lean Hogs took a big drop on Thursday. December Hogs down $2.82 to close at $73.20. February Hogs down $255. 7667 class 3 milk was mixed the nearby october down 61790 100 weight november milk up 55 1987 hundred. the big volatility continued in the cotton market on thursday we've seen big price swings this week in fact on wednesday we had a big jump that pushed us above a dollar 10 on the december contract We gave all that back and then more on Thursday. Sharply lower prices. Of course, a couple of factors weighing on the market. We always see harvest pressure in the market at this time of year as cotton harvest is getting underway across the cotton belt. But this shipping situation is weighing on the cotton market as well. The global shipping crisis nearly bringing in the movement of goods to somewhat of a standstill, and that has traders questioning our ability to adequately ship cotton around the world. And of course, our cotton market is heavily dependent on exports. We closed with December cotton dropping 459 points. We closed at 106.14. The March down 448 points to close at 104.15. Looking a year ahead, December 22 cotton down 143 points, closing at 89.07. The corn and wheat markets both closing lower. December corn down 7 cents, 5.32 and a quarter. March corn down 6 and a quarter, 5.41 and a half. Hard and soft wheat both finishing lower. July Kansas City wheat down 11 and a quarter, 7.47 and a half. July Chicago wheat down 6 at 7.46 and three quarters. In the energy markets, December natural gas down 2, 5.42. December crude oil down 79 cents at 8,263 a barrel. The financial markets narrowly mixed on Thursday. The Dow down 7 points, 35,601. The NASDAQ up 94 at 15,215. The S&P up 13 at 4,549. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin, hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this
0: greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or dfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.